your bad self all right hello and welcome to another edition the anniversary edition of the omg strike zone brian fulford kelvin rosier kofi hemingway gentlemen happy anniversary we have been doing this thing for one year almost officially one year congratulations it's anniversary <laughs> exactly anniversary well Oh, uh, well, what our theme music, man? Woo, woo, woo! Where you at? <laughs> yeah. That ain't me. That's that's where our producer. She's supposed well, to be. Well, no, exactly. <laughs> our producer should be singing in the background right now. That's her song. Y'all ain't gonna throw my y'all ain't y'all ain't gonna throw my producer under the bus now. Oh, not my producer. <laughs> she holding it down. My, that's my producer my, right my, there. I got your bag. That's my producer. That's my producer. Hey, that's uh, my producer, welcome. Man. We appreciate uh, you guys uh, coming in and joining us on tonight's show. We are excited. Uh, I, you know, guys, I was looking back at some old footage and going through the logs of the shows, and I, I tell you, man, we come a long way. We come a long way yeah. from uh, from those early days of uh, of trying to figure out what we are, what we what we're trying to do, and what we want to accomplish. And uh, I. Look, I had I admittedly I wanted to go through and, and get through all of the names and guests, but I'll save that for next week because I've only gotten through about half the season. But uh, pretty interesting kind of just going back and, and recalling where we are. So, uh, Kelvin, Kofi, happy anniversary. How you guys doing tonight? I'm feeling good, man. It's, it's um, you know, we've been pretty consistent, man, and getting the flow right and getting the rhythm is not easy um you know but it's been a lot of fun it's been a challenge it's been somewhat controversial on some fronts and all of that's good because uh what we've been able to bring to the table has been highly informative and um i like to say that it's the beginning of a great movement i think that we have an opportunity to be uh, a voice crying out in the wilderness to let the natives know, hey, this is the direction that we're going. This is where we are now. Um, and this is what we need to do. So you heard it here first on the ONG Strike Zone. Echo all the sentiments, guys. And um, y'all know me. Uh, when y'all first came to me and approached me about this, I am not a media guy by trade. And I, I'm, I'm a kind of background kind of guy. Y'all yeah, heard my opinions away from a camera, but you know, I was very apprehensive about doing this, man. It, and only because it was you guys, and I trusted your guidance through this that I, I you know, I said, hey, let's see how it goes. I, I, there, I was no way committed to doing this uh, for a year. But I must say that I found my footing with you all's help, and um, I love it. I love the platform. 
I'm all in. As y'all know, I've invested in some technology upgrades, man. So, so let's that, go so, technology. You know, a hundred more years, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I, uh, I, I appreciate. I've wanted to do this kind of show for years, and so you know, I like I said, I, I appreciate you guys even through some of my my darkest times over the past year. You guys have uh, have have helped me get through it, and I have I have really enjoyed this. Uh, this this venture you know and and like i said i, I again i you, you guys don't understand i tell people my story about a kid from the midwest that found you tell that damn story one more time <laughs> <laughs> you know what i found some new ears it's like ears rose and saint Olaf, man i'd be I, like I told, good I, god I talked to kelvin i'm waiting for kofi kelvin i found some young ears to tell the story to today and uh, oh, they yeah. were actually, yeah, you know, you, you try to tell Kofi, you know, trying to tell him. He's like, well, I didn't hear this darn story anyway. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, you look, I, I don't have, I, I didn't, I didn't grow up orange and green. So I'm, look, I, I'm, I'm a little envious of you guys, you know, and you guys, you guys grew up in it. You know, your families, you, you're, you're there in Tallahassee. You went to FAMU, uh, DRS, and you know, man, I, I discovered. The high, I ain't go to the, hey. Hey, I ain't go to DRS now. I went to the family high. The high. The high. There's a difference. Thank you. Okay, my bad. Sorry. Lucy Moten. Again, I've been around for 30 years, and I'm still out of place and out of step. So that just tells you I'm still trying to figure it out. And But but to the, but I couldn't have imagined doing this show with uh with two better Rattlers. And so uh, we, we've only scratched the surface of what we can be and what we want to do. And I appreciate uh, all of you guys out there who have uh, who jumped on the train with us and, and joined this journey. Um, you know, we're picking up uh, new. I think I feel like we brought some some rattlers into you know the orange and green. There are various shows that have all of a sudden become FAMU faithful. Uh, you know, and 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 that's good to see. And I, I think I think we're uh, we're spreading the love, and and that's that's. Uh, that's what it's all about. That's what we wanted to do. So for everyone on YouTube, Facebook, watching us on Twitter, we thank you. Want to remind you, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. Uh, you can also make sure to uh, to uh, send or download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google and Apple Play Store. My JBM, my BCSN is where you can find it. Uh, hit that thumbs up button if you would for us. Um, you know, got to give a shout out. I think Dr. Lori's in there on the uh, supervising the chat room. Shout out to Tamara T, Mary 305 uh, in the chat. Uh, the boss, the boss came in, the CEO of Jericho. Roy Evans came in early to check out the anniversary show. Shout out to Steve Campbell in there. Uh, Karen Griffin, uh, Keith, EA, Steve Campbell, lots of folks. Melody Edwards, I saw there's folks on Facebook as well. We appreciate all of you. Uh, also got to give a shout out to uh, Janaya Davis for uh, hicking us up with the yeah. graphics. Those of you who saw some of the promo uh, graphics that we sent out a little bit uh, earlier this afternoon, just to kind of let you know, we got a loaded show today. Big show for the anniversary show coming up uh, pretty soon here. Early in the first segment, we're going to get a chance to talk with the new Florida a 
National Alumni Association president, Curtis Johnson Jr. Uh, Curtis took over uh, as the new president on July 1. So we get a chance to talk to him about some of his uh, some of his plans for the Alumni Association and just kind of finding out where the Alumni Association is in, in things of that nature. Coming up uh, at the top of hour two, for those of you who wanted to know, what's Coach Pillow been doing? What's Coach Pillow doing? For the, for the what Coach Pillow is doing crowd, that's coming up at 9 o'clock. Pillow Talk with Coach Shalom Pillow at 9 o'clock. And then at the bottom of hour two, Darian Oxendine, FAMU wide receiver. He, too, was at the NIL Summit just uh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, of course, we had Janiah Davis on. She was at the NIL Summit. We're going to hear from Darian. Uh, he's got some merch that, that is pretty dope, actually. If you if you happen to find him on Twitter, uh, his merch is uh, is pretty dope, and uh, so we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, before we get, uh, I think Curtis is coming on at eight fifteen. Before we bring him in, let's just kind of maybe quick thought here over the past year, Kofi. What's uh, what's something that uh, that that you have? Uh, have found to be most interesting about this journey over the past year, or maybe a memory, an instant memory that comes to mind over the past year? Well, you all know my favorite memory, but I would say that uh, when it comes down to, I want to say the popularity of the show. Um, I think the thing that really blessed me was when I was out in Baton Rouge and I ran into President James Amos. And he was like, hey, man, I've been watching you on the show. I think it's uh, Owen something. What is it? It's the ONG. Oh, yeah, I've been watching you on the ONG Strike Zone. I tune in every Wednesday. I was like, President Amos is watching the show. So that really blessed me um, to find out the number of people that are watching and um, people that I went to nursery school with watch the show. And uh, it's a real blessing, man. I, I'm, I'm amazed. Nice. Shout out to President Ammons out there checking out the show. Uh, how about you, mm -hmm. Kelvin? Uh, some of some of your uh, impressions or, or things that you've uh, thought about over the past year? Like Kofi, I, I, I want to acknowledge, uh, you know, the, the audience and the growth there. I mean, I'm, I'm at uh, I'm at gymnastics with my daughter and there's other mothers and fathers there like, hey, OMG Strike Zone. I went to a couple of athletic events. ONG strikes on Kelvin. You know, um, I, I'm winning Grand P. I'm working on doing a gig. What's up, man? We love your show. So the love, you know, is real and reach is real. And I appreciate that. But what I want to point out as an emphasis that uh, I'm proud of is, is actually our guests. And that's, that lets you know how people feel about the show and their comfortability to come use our platform to get their message out. I mean, we've had all the coaches um, on the show. We've had, you know, presidents. We've had former Hall of Fame, I mean, Hall of Famers and former athletes, um, administrators, you know, you know, we had Dr. Friday. I mean, we had, H, the, the, you know, the, the guy who owns the HBCU car. I mean, you, 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 you name it. We've, we've had, uh, a, a great breath and plethora of um, people who've come and blessed the show. 
And that HBCU um, car thing was kind of interesting, considering how it affected Mr. Gaucher and everything. But we ain't gonna talk. That's about why that. I brought it up. I mean, I'm uh, I'm just saying. Pretty interesting. You know? Yeah, pretty interesting yeah. how that worked out, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, you know, so we we broke we've broken um we've broken some 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 breaking news and all that good stuff, man, with some of this stuff. And the invitation to AD Gaucher is still out there. So, I mean, if he happens to be watching, hey, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's still out there. You know, that, that was like the big whale that we never got. Uh, you know, maybe one day that would be an interesting story uh, to go back. I'm sure this, I'm sure some things have to settle out before yeah. that'll happen. But, uh, you know, there's a, few other, there's a few other whales out there that we're still hunting. And uh, who knows? You know, they'll, they'll come in. Um, I'm... Let's see. I, I was kind of going back through the list, and I'm just uh, to our producer. I, you know, my my phone. I'm looking. I'm looking here. This is great uh, TV content here. So uh, our producer, if our guest comes, let us send me a text or let me know um, because I believe he'll be up or planning to come in about eight fifteen, so we can be prepared to go <laughs> to him. Uh, oh, dear. Scotty, uh, yeah. Scotty, calm down. We we, we already started. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know we we've we've had all kinds of media oh, folk. Hey, all right. Well, look, let's get to our first guest. We'll get into talking about all those other folks later. Uh, we, we start off our show with our exactly, Mr. President. All right. Is is in the house right. the the new wow. the new president of the Florida A and M University National <laughs> Alumni Association, President Curtis Johnson Jr. <sighs> president Johnson, uh, if we if we may call you Curtis, how uh, how you doing, sir? Please. Pleasure to have you on. Thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure to be here, and please call me Curtis. And uh, I have been on now for at least uh, five minutes or so, and I've enjoyed the uh, commentary in the background as. I've sat here and uh, I've um, I've caught parts of the show. I've not sat through an entire show, so I've, I'm familiar with the ONG strike zone. So it's probably a good thing that you know. Sometimes you can o you only need to take us in in small bites because sometimes we can be a lot to <laughs> chew on. Uh, no doubt, and, and you gotta be careful about that chat room. Although we got Dr. Lori back there, so you know we she she snipes the. She snipes the haters and those Jackson State folks who like to come in and cause trouble. She'll get rid of them real quick. Um, so, Curtis, why don't we start by just letting people know who might not be familiar with you. Um, obviously, you've been a part of the uh, executive board, I believe, of the Alumni Association. But what was it that uh, inspired you to want to run for president and lead this, this large organization and take on this task? Well, well, thank you for that. Um, you know, it's it's a labor of, of love, right? And so Greg Clark brought me onto the National Board a couple years ago in the role of Sergeant in Arms. And there were a number of tasks that he tasked me with, but being a part of the National Board and on those calls each and every night, uh, to be able to, to work with people that love FAMU and work for FAMU countless hours for the love of FAMU with no pay is... Um, it's contagious. And let's just say that we uh, we got to the point of looking at how do we begin to to move this train forward. And uh, Colonel has been, uh, he took us on a great six year run and put us on a great trajectory. 
And uh, oftentimes, you know, when people do such great feats as that, he sets a bar that's pretty high. And um, there are a number of people on that national board that are um, uniquely qualified to be president. But there's some things that he kind of set a standard on that uh, when it comes to flexibility, ability to be able to be there for the alumni, um, you know, those sometimes can be very challenging characteristics and qualities to meet in, in leadership um, because he has elevated this role and he's put it in and put us in certain positions in certain rooms that we have to be in uh, to make sure we're getting full communication on behalf of the Alumni Association and also being able to communicate to those those larger stakeholders. And so when I when I looked at that and I looked at, you know, my love for FAMU and um, the ability to be able to step up to have the uh, the wherewithal to be able to do it, um, it kind of kind of came together. I had a few conversations with a few of the existing board members and, um, you know, it wasn't something that I take lightly, but it's one that um, it's 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 a very serious opportunity and it's one that. Um, you know, I didn't make lightly and I've, I've stepped up to be fully committed to being there for the National Alumni Association. Now, that's, that does not mean I don't have a full, uh, another job or anything. We all do. We're all volunteers. But my, my, my schedule tends to be a little more flexible, which allows for me to take on more opportunities to be that president for the National Alumni Association and to be in some of those rooms where conversations are being had, particularly at the administrative level, the Board of Governors, the Board of Regents, those things require time. And they, you know, certain people won't have that type of flexibility. And, and when you're leading an organization as large as this, uh, you need that flexibility and your leadership to be able to be there for the people that you serve. And I'm, and I'm glad you said that because I, you, you mentioned there, I want to emphasize that to folks watching, it is a volunteer role. It's a labor of love. You are not getting a, a, a check. So, you know, no matter, you know, that's a, a, truly a labor of love. And thank you for, yeah. for your service and in, in doing that. Kelvin, I'm going to toss it over to you. Yeah, Curtis, I'm interested to know what are your, say, top three things you're looking to do um, in your mm -hmm. first year and then talk about any long-term um, mm -hmm. uh, goals and opportunities under your helm. We know what Greg did, and he did right. do a good job in a, in a lot of areas. Um, he did okay. set a bar in a lot of areas. But what are you looking to do? Right. So there, there are three things. Um, actually, there's four things. I may break a little news tonight. I'll give you a little teaser on something I'm working on. Uh, but I right. can tell you that... Um, we have to continue to advocate for, for the university, the alumni. My goal is to rally this alumni association so that when we advocate for FAMU, that we do that with one strong voice. Uh, I make no secret and qualm. Um, the legislative uh, waters that we tread in are, are, are tough waters, and they are rising each and every day. And we must uh, defend, we must advocate for Florida University like no other time. And we're gonna need people at all levels and all ilks to get out here, to get our message out, starting in their local communities to get involved with the, the fight and thriving of Florida A&M University. And so being an elected official myself, I understand that. And in local delegations um, and advocating for FAMU, uh, I certainly uh, know how to do it for my hometown and I certainly know how to 
to lead a charge of rattlers to do it for Florida University. So advocacy is, is that, uh, engaging people. And in quite frank, some terms, we're going to have to encourage some rattlers out there that maybe seek opportunities uh, in some of these local elections and, and, and other avenues. And a number of us have. We need some more. And, and so advocacy is going to be a big thing on my half. You'll see a lot of that, obviously, when it comes to our legislative requests. And as we roll those out to make sure we're aligned with that and, and, and whatever the president's asking for, that we continue to, to, to take that to our local areas. The, the next thing is an environment of inclusiveness. Um, you know, one of the things I heard real loud and clear on my journey uh, to become president was, you know, we want an inclusive environment. I, I certainly have heard the challenges and I've heard the challenging conversations uh, about things as far as, hey, I can't seem to get on the list to get a room at the headquarter hotel or I can't get on the bus. I hear all of those things, right? And so my administration is one that we need all Rattlers. Um, we obviously need to grow our young alumni base, that, that sweet spot of, between 30 and 45 to really bring them into the alumni fold um, and balance that out. So that's certainly something that um, we want to, I want to do more of. And so we'll see that thing I call inclusiveness and, and making sure that we're reaching out to that, that, that early young sweet spot of young Rattlers and helping them find their way and their mission to be a part of the National Alumni Association. We need their voices. And more importantly, we need their financial contributions because a lot of the 30, 35-year-olds I know are doing quite well out there uh, in, in their day jobs and their side hustles. And, and certainly the bar to be an active member of the National Alumni Association uh, is not a high hurdle to jump. We just need more people right. to jump in. And then that leads me to my third point of growth. Um, I, we will deliver, um, and that we won't do it all in the first year, but we're going to get to uh, 10,000 active members in the National Alumni Association. I certainly want to do that by the middle of, uh, of my administration over a three-year term. Um, this election season, when I came in, we had just a little bit under 5,000 that were actually dues-paying members of the National Alumni Association. So we're going to double that. And when we double that, we obviously double our, our operating budget to be able to bring on some fancy technology, much like you guys were talking earlier about investing in technology to be able to reach all of the different audiences and engage people how they want to be engaged. Well, that requires an investment. And so we're going to need to shore some things up, make our, our processes a lot easier for people to become a member of the National Alumni Association. Yeah. And, and yeah. so when they click on that button, it, it doesn't require an act of Congress or two pints of blood, right, to, to get it in there. And so if it feels sometimes, and I hear it loud and clear and and being in customer service for, for a number of years and, and providing good customer service, I, I hear it and understand it. And then, you know, as I, as I think about a legacy, um, I was recently made aware of some things on our campus, much like Colonel Clark was when he took on the Save Our Student. So the Save Our Student will continue to be uh, a part of the legacy of Colonel Clark and the National Alumni Association. It will always be something to give to you. Uh, I'm going to expand that a little bit. Um, I don't quite have a name yet, or at least one that I want to disclose here, but uh, it's going to be around the areas looking at our, our challenges that I've been made aware of some of our, our young people on campus face, um, food insecurities, um, and some of the mental health and, and some of those challenges that they face there, and being able to, to put together a fund that we can address some of the small nuances, right? Um, so when Colonel Clark put his program together, it was, hey, I 
I need a couple hundred dollars here to maybe get the graduation or pay off this debt so I can register for my last semester or last uh, term in school. And somehow that prohibited them from moving along. So Colonel addressed that. You know, I've been made aware that food insecurities and, and homelessness and all this stuff that we may not be aware of is affecting our students at Florida M University. And so I want to begin to tackle that with uh, resources and funds so that we can sure that up with our young people uh, on that campus. So you'll be hearing more about that uh, as we put it together and, and go from there. So, you know, advocacy, an inclusive environment, uh, growth of a national organization, and then tackling, you know, one of the larger issues that I've been made aware of and can really, I think, get our alumni uh, to be excited about being a part of that type of, of solution for the young people. Okay. Kofi, go ahead. Hubba, uh, so obviously this is an election year and there's a lot at stake for FAMU uh, coming down the pike. I know that there had been some talk with uh, reparations and uh, I want to say getting or challenging the government that we're under right now to uh, basically just support FAMU at a greater level of what, just give us what's fair and what's right. What's gonna be the NAA's uh, role in, I wanna say, A, the election, because we gotta make sure we get the right person in the office, that makes things a whole lot easier. And then also, strategically, what are we looking to do going forward? Well, I think, uh, Kofi, um, you know, the, the thing we have to do here is, we have to make sure people um, uh, are aware um, of their rights to vote. I, I think, you know, being one that I've looked at this thing, uh, voter education and making sure people are there are just platform issues that we need to make sure we're supporting, right? And making sure people have the education of that. And, and that's certainly uh, well short of endorsing any type of candidates because as you know, uh, the National Alumni Association is a 501c3 organization and we will not get into endorsing specific candidates. That does not mean that um, certain issues that, that affect the, the university that we're not going to advocate for and ask for. But I think an activation of our members to be involved and to understand what the, uh, who the candidates are and providing those forms so that we can learn about people and their platforms so that people can exercise their rights out there. Um, that, is, that is something that I believe in. It's something that we need. And, and, and we have a greater good to make sure that people uh, go out and exercise their right to vote and also exercise their right to, to, to challenge uh, their elected officials. Uh, all too often, you know, we don't engage with our local officials just to talk about the things that are important to us. And, and that goes for people in office as well as people that seek office. So we need, you know, one of the things that I want to make sure is that, you know, we'll always be fair to allow people to come in to, to hear um, what their particular platforms are. And, and that kind of leads to that point, Kofi, of why I'm trying to get to so many active alumni members of the National Association. Because as a person that has run for office, you know, political guys that run for office, they always seek the larger groups of people to go in and talk about their platform. When we continue to grow our numbers at Florida University uh, National Alumni Association, my vision and goal is that people will be seeking to come talk to us about their respective platforms and how they would represent, um, you know, 
themselves and more or less the interests of the Florida National Alumni Association. So uh, it's one that uh, we we uh, don't take lightly. We do have a government relations committee, um, um, uh, government affairs, I'm sorry, committee at the National Alumni Association. Um, and so, you know, we are active with that and we will provide those platforms to learn and to get information out and disseminate information so that people can make an informed decision about who would best represent them as well as Florida University. Hubba, you know, just, just real, I know you're a John Maxwell guy and um, <laughs> I know you learned a lot. I like to read a lot of his stuff. So um, understanding that leadership is influence. Um, yes. What is, let me say, how will you utilize that level of influence with athletics? Um, that's mm -hmm. been, you know, one of the major things right before you got into office, there was a major controversy. Um, people wanted, you know, people were looking at Greg, we were looking, <laughs> looking all over the place, looking at Robinson, looking at yeah. a number of different things, yeah. wanting to know what in the world was going on. Mm -hmm. And there was a lack of communication on a number of different scales. Um, how can we bridge that gap? Will there be town hall yeah. meetings even as we get with this uh, process with the choosing the AD? How, we, how are we going to bridge that gap with communication? Uh, well, I, I think you hit it right on the head, and you're right. Yeah, I'm a John Maxwell guy, and, and John Maxwell would say it, leadership begins and ends with your ability to influence, right? Nothing more, nothing less. So you're right. Um, the, the way we get there is absolutely communication. Um, I've been in communication with the president. Um, I've had a, a meeting with him uh, shortly after the uh, conference in Tallahassee. Uh, I will be having subsequent conferences with him. Um, I can tell you one of the things that we have learned early on is that the National Alumni Association um, Leadership Board, uh, one of the last things that Greg did was that we actually met with the search committee uh, and we shared some views from the executive uh, National Alumni Board that we were hearing from all over. And so we bottled that up to begin to project into the process that's being undertaken right now to find an athletic director. So we, we, we channeled that agent in, and we also took that time to, to learn what this process is. And it's through forums like this that I, I have an opportunity to say that, um, you know, there's a professional search firm out there that's, that's having conversations and quiet conversations with people that they may be able to attract to apply for this opportunity. Um, and, and that's done for a reason because some people may not want to disclose early on if they're on another job, if they're interested in something. So that allows for them to kind of have a quiet conversation to see if there's an interest. Obviously, if there is uh, and they're a vetted candidate, uh, then certainly they would go on in the process. And then that 18 person search committee, which meets every Monday, um, they will uh, whittle the process down to a number of candidates uh, from which they will pick uh, a number to have some interviews with and then forward, um, from my understanding, three uh, of those top candidates onto the president uh, of the university uh, at that point to, be, to further the process. So uh, you hit it on the head, town halls will be things that I will be doing um, in my administration early on. In fact, as early as next month, I will begin to roll out a series of town hall meetings uh, by the regions that we're divided up in for the National Alumni Association. And I will be engaging the presidents of the chapters along with the region vice presidents for those regions to hear things and concerns. So I'll consolidate my list. 
Uh, from that, I will be, take those actionable points, make sure that I'm communicating back out as well as to the administration of the, um, of the, um, of the university. It is my goal uh, to have those key stakeholders um, from time to time come on to town halls with the National Alumni Association, and we've done that before. So uh, very early on, we're going to have Dr. Hudson. Uh, I am going to ask the Dr. Maurice Eddington to come out and talk about a number of things. And obviously, I will ask the president of the university to come out and be a part of a town hall to, to address some of the things I'm hearing and share some comments at that point. So you're going to get that from me you will get the ask i can't twist their arm and make them come but i think if i use my influence correctly um i you have to give me a chance to do that and then that's that's my commitment hey let me piggyback off that right where we are i i like that we're in some meat and potato stuff right now so um my question is um i love inclusion and Mm -hmm. i love communication but mm-hmm. another element of that is transparency. Um, okay. You know, sometimes it's good for people able to see things versus folks coming saying things. And sometimes we, we haven't heard anything at all with certain situations. So um, my question is, uh, how do you plan to expand your transparency and how the, the organization itself is running? And then I have mm-hmm. to say that it's really easy to lead when everything is good and hunky-dory sure but sometimes things are difficult they're challenging and they're confrontational and i want to know your management style well you know we talk about using our influence correctly and positively in order sure. to lead um you're willing to you, you mentioned advocacy um just where's the balance for you in terms of you know, the push. Let me make sure I, I got what you're saying, because there are parts of it I got and maybe parts I don't quite understand. Uh, when you say transparency, are you saying the National Alumni Association uh, and ability for people to understand how we operate and what we operate and that type of thing and maybe participation I, I, in I, our I, meetings? Absolutely. absolutely. Mm-hmm. When guidelines, bylaws change, you know, uh, the qualifications mm-hmm. in terms of um, mm-hmm. uh, being able to run for offices and so forth mm-hmm. uh, when mm-hmm. the decision is, is made by the executive board That's me. to be able to support initiatives that may or may not have gone through the normal processes and so forth. I think it's those kind of things that uh, without the communication and the transparency, the assumptions and those assumptions or perceptions can become reality. So, so yes, I'm talking specifically about the National Alumni Association in terms of transparency. Yeah. yeah. So I think I think you're going to have to help us with some stuff like that because as a person that's been on that board for two years, um, when we put out communication, uh, we do put out that there will be a call for bylaw changes um, or amendments to our bylaws. We put out a call to that, right? And I can tell you sometimes in, in people's lives, it's not real apparent and they aren't really interested in that and, and it just kind of glances. We're all are busy. I get that. Uh, I think what we may be able to improve is to make our rounds on shows like this and other forums to, to get the word out when we are evaluating that because that's an ongoing process. It goes on every right. year that we allow for bylaws changes. 
Um, I think uh, as we do more communication and people understand how to engage the system, meaning that um, meetings, being active uh, and, and posting our meetings out there so people can observe them and see that, our website, all of this stuff is on our website. You can go right now and find our bylaws and print them off and they are there. They don't change until the national body votes on that change. So we may propose some stuff, but that what you would print off right now is gonna be law until we come to our next national convention, if there are any bylaws that would be amended, updated or changed. But we try our best, like most, to put it out there to say, hey, we're holding this meeting. Uh, here are the potential bylaw changes. We send it out to all of our chapters. Um, so I think the, the thing that I would am encouraged about is that forums like this to make sure with your audience that you realize that some of this stuff is going on. And so I'm going to ask you guys help, to help me with that. Um, and that's communication. That's me letting you know that, right? And coming on and talking about it, right? So I think that's a good start to that. Um, our meetings and, and being open, we operate in the sunshine. Um, we, you know, we're 501c3 organization. Uh, you have the right to be a part of that. And let me see what we can do to make sure that that happens. Um, I, what else did I hear there? Um, did I miss anything? Uh, my uh, transparency. Well, well, okay. Well, let me just. Okay, I get to that. One last part about the um, about transparency. Uh, so we are five hundred one c three. Our books are audited. Um, so certainly we we are subjected to sunshine laws and FOIA requests and those types of things. So certainly, uh, we you know we will do our part to be that. Now, as far as confrontation, um, I'm assuming that you're saying, can we have tough conversations? Um, yes. yes, we can have a tough conversation that can come towards me as a president. I, I accept that, right? I'm always open to hear people's concerns. Oftentimes, um, what I have found is that there's a lack of communication that has led to that. And so that's always an opportunity for us to get better because that oftentimes leads to confrontation. I'm open to tough conversations. Um, I've been around a while to understand that people need to vent and need to be heard, and, and I want to hear them. Um, I may not have all the answers right then, but I can tell you I'll listen and I'll hear your concerns. Um, that's just how I operate. Um, and, and again, I, I, I don't blur the lines, but this is what I do in my community because I'm in an elected role. I, I get it all the time, and it's expected when you sign up for positions like this, so I won't shun away from it. And, and then I also know how to have objectionable, challenging conversations on the other side and funnel the stuff gotcha. up the ladder, right? Gotcha. Uh, I can do that without getting gotcha. personal and, and yes. names, but it, tough conversations have to be had. Willing to do yeah. it. Right. Curtis, uh, let, me, like let, me, let, me ask, let me ask this. Um, can you give us some numbers? Because I heard you talk about our, your current active membership at 5,000, your goal to reach 10. How many, yep. what's the What's the real number of, I, I don't know if it's the right way of saying this, but 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 living eligible, I don't know, below, uh, under the age of 80 alumni. I don't, I don't know how to say that accurately, so I apologize <laughs> how that just sounded. But what's, what's the alumni base of Florida A&M graduates nationally and yeah. then that yeah. percentage <laughs> that are part of the NAA? Yeah. 
So, so I, I have to get back to you on some of those numbers. Let me just give you some context around that. Um, we've had people walk across the stage, I think is a good way to put it, and get, gotten diplomas. And, and that number is north over the time of FAMU, north of about 75K, 75,000 people, right? Obviously, people have passed away and those types of things and deceased or whatever. Uh, but, but I can tell you that um, I don't know that number of what the potential pool is of active living rattlers are that's out there in the universe that we can't, can't capture, right? So let me, let me come back to you on that one. Uh, as we get a little more definitive um, and I get my administration in place, which is coming very soon. Uh, but I, that's a that's a fair question. Um, I just know that my goal starting at 10, the magic starts at 10K. Anything above that, north of that is is icing on the cake as far as the recognition of an of a strong organization that commands um, the attention of let's just say people running for office or people looking for strong advocacy groups out there. And we want to put that on paper that that's where we are. I'm, I asked um, that question from two points. I'm, I was curious about where our alumni association ranks in terms of maybe other HBCUs or maybe even other HBCUs within the SWAC. So maybe that's yeah. another thing that if you don't know, I'd love to know. Well, I can tell is. you. Okay. I, I can tell you, they, they look to us um, for, for the model. Um, Greg has worked with a number of those uh, SWAC um, HBCU National Alumni Associations. There's none that's stronger and more organized than the Florida University National Alumni Association with active people that do the work of a volunteer alumni association. So I can tell you that without a hands down. I don't care if we got five or 5,000 or 55,000. The people that we have right now that's active my alumni association outweighs anything else that's out there when it comes to HBCUs, active alums that pay their dues and advocate on behalf of their university. I can tell you that this organization by far is number one. Okay, and, okay. and, and I, wanted to, I wanted to tie that into the conversation about athletics because we have had this conversation in our space for a couple of months now. And mm -hmm. as we've talked about uh, some of the problems that we see, some of the problems that we've identified, some of the problems that we have spoken to coaches and student athletes about as it relates to athletics, we talk to a lot of alumni and, and, and a lot of alumni, a lot of fans, some who are active in the local or national alumni associations, some who are not. And through our show, we've been helpful in getting them to go get engaged for the simple fact that, hey, if, if we can we can't complain from the sidelines if we aren't involved in the process, if we don't yes. get into whether it's Atlanta, Jacksonville, Orlando, wherever you are. If you're not engaged in the process and we can we can complain and just be anybody out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever and complain all day. But we have to be part of the solution and process. And so when things like the change in athletic director happen and it creates this uproar amongst the fan base, it brings notice I said fan base, not alumni base, yes. but sometimes you have to separate the two. Fan is short for fanatic. But, you know, I, I just want to say that. But um we, we're we're trying to find ways to 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 bring the base and make the base stronger and from the standpoint of we feel like our athletic program 
is one of the best. We are a blue blood organization among HBCU athletics, right there next to Grambling, Tuskegee, or Tuskegee, and Tennessee State. Sorry, the rest of you who I didn't name. I'm sorry. I'm just telling you how it is. There's that, that's the four. That's the blue bloods, okay? And especially when it comes to football, and we all love yeah. our football. We all love our family football. So when we talk about athletics, and we want our alumni association. And, and so I guess this is where I'm going with the question for you. Okay. Where is athletics in terms of your, uh, I, I hate to say your order of importance, but how do yeah. you in, uh, want to influence or help mm-hmm. athletics grow? Because if we, as we have heard of the various problems, it's yeah. really sad. And it really is hurtful to hear high schools in our beloved city of Tallahassee that sometimes have better facilities and seem to be operating better than our beloved FAMU. So I, I just wanted to kind of go there and kind of see what your your thoughts were on, on athletics as it relates to uh, your administration and the Alumni Association. Yeah. It, it, it ranks very high up there. Um, you know, it was it was under our former AD, uh, Courtney Gaucher, that we worked closely with, with the National Alumni Association, supported him and his efforts to go out and raise money. The Alumni Association, on most parts, are on the front line. We are oftentimes the first glimmer in our communities of any person having anything or knowing anything about Florida University. And so we, too, have uh, fans inside the active alumni association and and that's that's very loud and clear and i hear that very loud and clear and so athletics is very high up there that's why we did weigh in on the selection process we do have someone on our national board that is a part of that committee uh that's there um it, we will continue uh to support athletics at a very high level uh as we begin to get the the, the mission and the plan of the either interim director or either permanent director of athletics, whoever, right now we have an interim obviously. So we've been working with Mike Smith um, and, and supporting him. And, and if he says he's coming to an area, he was recently in Jacksonville, well, the, the Jacksonville alumni base rallied around that and made that a successful opportunity for him. You know, it's getting a little late right now and, and we're getting ready to start the fall of the season. Uh, but I can tell you, that it's very high up there, and uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll break a little more news with you guys here right now on how I think and how I operate. So um, I have reached out um, to all of the other uh, DSO or uh, support groups of athletics, F Club, the um, Two Twenty, uh, the uh, the quarterback clubs, or, or um, the Rattler Boosters, and uh, we're going to actually have our uh, meeting tomorrow. And um, it's kind of a vision of mine to to have that conversation, to see how we get this thing I'm calling one fam. You really Amen. encapsulated Amen. off the ground. Right. So we all swim in in different lanes, but we're all under the umbrella of fam. You and it, we only have one fam. You and we can and we're going to figure out how do we exist together and how do we continue to help people understand what each of our organizations bring to this table because we all bring something kind of a little unique right to how we how we how we show that advocacy and so we're going to have this meeting tomorrow a zoom meeting and um you know selvin cobb is very helpful in pulling this group together with me and as a new incoming naa president 
Um, I want to have this conversation and I want to make sure that we come out of that meeting with a real clear understanding and even a forward facing document so that we can share with people who's swimming in what lane so that as people begin to find their way to want to be a part of whatever tribe they want to be a part of, they know if I'm going to the boosters, this is what the boosters do. Because I can tell you, as I uh, vied for this position and won this position, and I was talking to a lot of people, they had no idea about the, the NAA, the boosters, the, the two, they were just confused. And so we've got to communicate that out. And, and that process starts tomorrow uh, in a meeting so that we can, I can even better understand so that I can better represent uh, these organizations. So, so that's what I believe in athletics. And I think if we can get our communication, uh, let's just say uh, better um, and be able to put that in one place so people understand who's doing what and how we all work together as one fam you, I think we'll have a better mission going forward. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Uh, Kelvin, Kelvin, Kofi, got about a, just another minute or two. So if either of you have a, a final question for Curtis, now's your chance. Uh, jump in there. You're on mute if you're trying to talk, Kofi. You there? Yeah, I'm right here. Can you hear me? Okay. I've never gotcha. known All Kofi right. to be short of words over here. I've never known Kofi to be short <laughs> All right. Well, here's some words right here. All right. So yes, uh, I know you, <laughs> I know you're a Humphreys era rattler, right? And Humphreys really did a good job. And, and I want to say promoting the family spirit, the rattler brand, the family brand, um, in academics and athletics. Um, there was, you know, obviously just hate to keep harping on this, but this whole thing with the, with the, the handling of Gaucher, the Robinson, all of that stuff, you know, there was a big uproar. I know a lot of it just kind of like silence. Do you know why none of this was addressed at the NAA meeting? Just to at least bring some clarity in terms of the direction, what the thought process was, uh, you know, because at the time people were on social media like, bruh, like this is just wrong you know what we gonna do how is this gonna blah 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 and then nothing like nobody said anything at all it was kind of like squads we were all cool by y'all at the national alumni association meeting it was like nah we just looking over this like we're not gonna address none of this uh when is this gonna be addressed so now we're still in the same spot with the same leader doing the same stuff um what's gonna be the remedy because again Athlete at FAMU, we love, I love the tradition of what what we've been able to do academically. Humphreys came in, did that. You know, Robinson has picked up, he stabilized us in that area. But then over in the athletic program, after talking to the coaches, talking to the athletes, hearing from alumni, looking at the level of dysfunction that was there, it's kind of like, why didn't we at least have a five minute a two minute conversation about this so that we can bring some clarity to it so all right i'm done yeah so so kofi in that i i hear the passion i hear the frustration um i think we all went through that period including myself personally i'm not gonna sit here and say that uh being in the leadership and being on executive board i i have no answers um for any of those questions that you've asked 
Um, I, I do know that uh, right now that decision has been made, be it right, be it wrong, it's made. We have to move forward. Um, that's not the answer that you want to hear. Um, I think in time that the president at his fruition will and should address that. Uh, I have communicated that to him that he has, and it's, it's his juncture and his say because he runs a day in and day out operation of the university. That does not mean that I won't take feedback that I hear from alumni uh, that, that is forwarded to me and won't. I have no problems sharing that with the president and I have shared that with the president. So I can't sit here and say why they haven't done what they didn't do. Um, maybe because some of it's still kind of ongoing, right? Because um, I'm sure that there's some, some legalities and some things that are there that may preclude um, and so not having a knowledge of any of that kind of stuff, I, I can't say why people aren't saying what. I, I, I just can't. Um, but that's where I'm going to leave it at. It's probably not what you want to hear, but that's what I know at this point, and I can't, I can't speculate on anything I don't know. Okay, I want to jump in speculate. and... Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair response. I want to jump in and, and just make a suggestion when you all uh, have your meeting tomorrow with the athletic supporters group, the DSO groups. I would like to have a discussion about a athletic capital campaign, right? So that we talking about um, an organized campaign with the foundation that's gonna address facilities, that's gonna address adult scholarships, long-term type long-term visions we got to get okay. that in place because athletics is not only the front porch of the university uh a lot of times where people get familiar with the university it's the biggest events on campus you know our homecoming and and athletic events generally speaking but um in order for the us to sustain the athletic program that is competitive in all sports we're gonna have our women's basketball coach on here uh, shortly after after this we need money and resources and i ain't talking about a hundred thousand dollars right we got to get our budget we got to grow our budget to 12 to 15 million dollars uh in order to, to have a sustained successful athletic program even at the current level we at as you know hbcus are at the bottom you look at the bottom 20 25 of fcs it's all hbcus and we asking our kids to go out there and play University of North Carolina and Oklahoma's of the world. And um, we're not giving them the support that they need, the nutrition that they need, and, and, and the, the, the weight room and all that kind of stuff. So my passion is athletics. And whatever we do in terms of bringing it together, let's think about the long term of what athletic needs, not what our own personal agendas are. That's my only ask, and thank you for coming on. No, no, thank you. Point well taken, Curtis. Let uh, let people know. Let our let our fan base, uh, our, our viewers, listeners, even when we do the podcast, let them know how they can reach out to you, uh, and and whether it be concerns or just joining their local chapter. Which again, we want to strongly advocate. 
please join your local yeah. chapters. Be yeah. a part of the process. You you will hear that from us. Ask the questions why, but don't just ask why. Go be a part of the process and find out why things are being done the way they are currently being done so that way you can be truly involved in the process. So, Curtis, let, let people right. know. Yeah. And I'll add to that, we need people to bring their talents. We have a lot of talented rattlers out there that's doing stuff in the C-suites. We got people that are doing stuff in the streets. We need all of that talent at the NAA. And no matter if you played football, baseball, or whatever, you graduated from FAMU, and that makes you a part of needing to be the alumni, to be an alumni association. And so you can reach out certainly at famunaa.org. That's our, our website. And landing page you can find out all my contact information there you can see who your national officers are but we've got a lot of talented people that graduated from famu and if i got ten thousand of them actively paying with not only monies but their talents and their connections there's no doubt in my mind that we can raise the money that we need to raise to be proud of and continue to be the number one hbcu out there on the field off the field in the classroom and hanging out on the set so that's my mission and that's my goal. Thank you guys for having me. I will invite myself back uh, because I will have <laughs> more anytime. news and information. Let's go. I'll be reaching out to you. <laughs> yes, yes. Anytime, you have an open door. Anytime you want to come on, Thank Curtis, you. all you got to do is call, text, say, hey, I want to yeah. come on and talk. Hey, hey, it's open door policy with us. Uh, we always are open door for the president. So, uh, again, hey, Curtis Johnson Jr. Yes. Yeah, hey, any, anytime, sir. Sooner anytime. Thank you very much for your time this evening. Let's get ready to take a break. And when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk to our head women's basketball coach, Coach Shalom Pillow, on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. Now, you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. <laughs> It's like a loot machine. Going around town, trying to get down. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the time. For my people that don't get to see me, trying to remind you who you are, just like in Romans 3. See, we about to blow across the world just like a day that's breezy. This motivation for the people and this classic Bible teaching say, hey, this for my people that don't get to see me, trying to remind you who you are, just like in Romans 3. See, we about to blow across the world just like a day that's breezy. This motivation for the people and this classic Bible teaching say, hey, hey. Motivation. It's been difficult because I hadn't been able to see my grandchildren. An expression on someone's face when you do something nice for them. I miss all my friends in school. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision about COVID-19 vaccine. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. 
The Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone, ready for hour number two of the anniversary edition, one year in the books. And it's a pleasure to be joined by my my women's basketball coach. That's right, I said it. Uh, coach Shalom Pillow here to join us on the ONG. Coach, how you doing this evening? Well, I'm pretty good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm out here in this in these Twitter streets fighting folks, coach. You know, they they trying to talking about what's coach doing. I'm like, hey, hey, back up. My coach is working. And as you see, for the yeah, for for the coach for the what is coach pillow crowd doing, this is what she's been doing. She's working. So we're gonna get a chance to talk about the the latest recruits and and what's going on. But uh Let's just start there, Coach. Uh, how, obviously, before we get into talking about the four players, talk about the process of, of just being out on the road and uh, what what you've seen out there. And, you know, before we get into talking about the young ladies who are going to be uh, on the roster for the upcoming year. Well, it's definitely been a grind. Uh, July is our heavy recruiting period. It's a big evaluation period with AAU basketball going on. So, um, we've been out going to some big tournaments. We're in a tournament in uh, Kentucky, had 80 plus courts under one roof. It was insane. Um, so really got to see a lot of talent there. A little overwhelming, hard to focus with so much going on, but um, we did a good job of getting it together. Uh, Coach Davis, one of my assistants, she uh, really organized everything and did, is doing a really good job there in recruiting. Um, and then uh, so we have like a week, we have a week off, and then we go back out uh, next week and um, try to see some more talent. Share, share with, share with uh, the, the audience and folks who are listening and watching the philosophy with recruiting based on your current team. I know it can change every year. I mean, sometimes it will may vary with, with trying to find that next group of young high school. But given where college athletics is right now, and, and what you need for this team uh, for a 2022 season. What, what's been the philosophy uh, at this point? 
Well, this recruiting class that we just signed, so the class of 22, um, all those kids are from the portal. So um, our philosophy for this year, where we are in the program, trying to build and um, get some wins and some some uh, quick return, we thought portal. We're gonna find. We're not gonna find a better high school player for us than we're gonna find in the portal who's already got um, some college experience, who knows what it looks like to compete at the collegiate level. And um, so that was definitely our philosophy. We we hit the portal hard and, and it worked out really well. Um, moving into the 23 class, um, which we're recruiting right now in July and all that good stuff, um, we're going to have probably six scholarships available with the kids graduating and whatnot. And I think after this season, we'll be a little more established, the culture be established, what's expected to be established, that we can bring some younger kids in that we can kind of bring along. I feel like right at the moment, we don't have time to bring a freshman point guard in and try to mold her and get her going and everything like that. So um, after having some establishment, um, I think we can bring some younger kids and some high school kids that um, they can play behind some of the older kids and know what's expected. Calvin, jump in there. Coach, um, I, I want you to talk about how things are going in terms of developing relationships. Um, and specifically what I'm talking about is the women, the, the girls basketball at a high school level, as well as the junior college level is pretty competitive, uh, in, in the state of Florida and, and in North Florida, right? TCC is in a conference that's considered one of the better uh, junior college conferences. And then you have teams like Florida high fam, you high, uh, that traditionally have good teams, have players who've been named all Americans and, uh, nominated for McDonald's, all Americans, so forth. And I know all this is a process of establishing relationships and getting to know the coaches and the, and, and the community itself. How's that going? And, and what is your approach to, to just trying to protect the home base or engage the home base? Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, um, high school, we've been out to some high school games. And I think that the challenge with um, home base is always good. Of course, you have to have those relationships. That's your home base. Those are the um, coaches that are going to support you. They're going to bring their kids and their players to campus and everything like that. Um, but sometimes what people don't understand in this recruiting process, the best in Florida might not be the best for FAMU. Um, we have a lot of talented kids. And as you said, we have McDonald's All-American nominees and things like that. Uh, realistically, those kids are going power five and they're not they're not going to stick around for FAMU. Not yet, not this time, not with um, what the history has been the last few years. Now, my job is to build a program so that we have those caliber kids want to stay home, stay in Tallahassee and build right here at home. But that's definitely a process. And that does start relationships, as you said. So once we do get to that to that point that we have coaches in their players ears like, how about staying at home? How about staying in Tallahassee and going to fam? Okay. Kofi, go ahead. Well, you know, family is a place, you know, because we love our brand. <laughs> we love who we are and we believe that we are uh we desire to be or compete with power five we want to see fam you compete 
at least get to a sweet 16. Um, uh, hopefully one day a final four. Um, that's how we think. Um, we believe that our program literally, we want to see our program elevated. Um, how do we bridge that gap in communication to get better quality athletes to come to FAM? Um, because at the end of the day, you know, obviously the better athlete you recruit, the easier your coaching job becomes. And, you know, and then also even with the local athletes um, that may have considered power fives, they may not have the same uh, level of connection. I want to say, say they go to a Louisville or whatever, but, you know, we haven't seen Lawson necessarily field yet. So how do we get, you know, how do we get to that thing and build that level of excitement or build a level of belief similar to what Dion did at Jackson State, you know, where people are like, you know, they weren't considering Jackson State. Now they're considering Jackson State. You have kids that have gone to Power 5 schools and they're considering Jackson State. They're considering Florida A&M University. How can we get that same flow with women's basketball? Well, we have to have a product, first of all, that's enticing, not meaning FAMU, the product, not meaning athletics, it's women's basketball alone, an entity. So we have to be appealing, and the way we are appealing to them is by winning and competing. As we all know, we didn't really compete at a high level, so it's really hard to convince a top five or a power five caliber player to come to FAMU right now. Again, it's a process, and we're building on that. So the portal, again, has been really good to us because we do have maybe not right out of high school power five, but we do have some power five uh, transfers coming in. And once they come in and they're able to sell the program, meaning like, well, I was at Purdue, uh, a power of five, and I decided to come to FAMU, maybe that would attract some of those kids that are considering um, a power of five out of high school to consider FAMU, especially once we went, you know, winning, winning cures a whole lot. <laughs> so uh, getting some W's and getting some wins, I mean, that, that often covers up a lot of things and pulls in more positive. This really takes one uh, good season to really get it rolling, to get all those type of caliber kids in. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Uh, did you want to follow up, uh, Kofi, on that? Or are you good? I yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah. Get I wanted to follow up. I wanted to follow up. Because, okay. you know, just really, really right now, obviously, FAMU is, is uh, there's a lot of interest with HBCUs right now, um, really with that. So again, getting, obviously winning is is job one. So this time last year, you were dealing with COVID, um, the COVID protocols, and there was a ton of different circumstances you were dealing with. But right now, where are we in terms of where we were last year and in terms of bridging that gap what is the outlook right now what are we looking like well um as you said last year it might have well been COVID all over again um as you know we didn't play my first season here because we had no season at all so going into last season there were a lot of things that you just weren't prepared between COVID and injuries we had a different seven eight players every game 
So it's very hard to build any kind of consistency or um, really being able to play on all cylinders when we didn't know what seven or eight we might have any given day. Um, that was a challenge. And then some of these kids hadn't played for two years. Um, some of our transfers, they are sat a year, a transfer year, then they didn't play a season. Um, so some set out two years, some had a whole year without playing. And it took us a while to even, once I felt like we were getting good and getting in the flow, an injury would hit or COVID would hit and we'd have three starters out at a time. And that's all things that we didn't plan for, but it also builds the kids that are returning. They tough through that. So we have a good base. And then we've added four additional players that I think we're going to talk about a little later that have some experience um, at a collegiate level and they know what's expected. They have more of a, um, like they have more to prove. You know, sometimes these transfers, they didn't get the best shot at their previous school. So they got a chip on their shoulder and they're not coming here just to enjoy being at HBCU. They're coming here with a purpose and they want to make a change. They want to make a difference in the women's basketball program. And even more importantly, they want to make a difference within the community. They want to make a difference once they leave FAMU. And that, like, as um, one of you gentlemen said, FAMU is a brand and they know that, and that helps attract them. So once they have that FAMU on their resume, they can go out into the world and um, have an impact. And that's the type of kids I want. And that's part of my purpose in my program is to prepare these young ladies for life after basketball, life after FAMU, so they can represent our university and represent, represent themselves as black women once they leave my program. Right, so do you feel I'm, like you're, let me ask this last question. Do you feel like um, in terms of like your recruiting budget, what is your recruiting area? Uh, are you just recruiting South? Are we recruiting nationally? Are we using digital or all the above? And again, we are here right now, but how do we bridge that gap to go to that next spot, to that next level, make that jump, beat Jackson State, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, we're, um, uh, technology is a wonderful thing, and COVID taught us that we're not limited by our budget. We can recruit across the country. We can recruit outside the country at this point even. Um, We've had a lot of success of doing some virtual visits. Um, mm -hmm. We have our, our cell phones. They get to meet everybody on campus. They get to see our facilities. Um, we have kids that are overseas that we're recruiting. They, they can't come, but they get a great feel of who we are as a coaching staff, um, as a support staff, and they meet our academic advisors, strength and conditioning coach. They get to do all that from home. Now, it's not the same as being here and actually seeing it and feeling the energy that FAMU has, but they can still see like we are good people. And that's part of the whole recruiting part. Just about everybody has the same thing as far as it comes to basketball and rims and you're gonna have academic support wherever you go, but it's the people who are in those positions that really make the difference. And they get that experience through um, our virtual visits. Um, so we're in the process of, of uh, bridging that gap because we do have those power five kids coming in, like I said before, and we are able to recruit nationwide. Um, we may not be able to travel across the nation and uh, go to all those tournaments, but we always get the most bang for our buck, meaning we're going to Louisville to see this 80 court <laughs> facility, as opposed to like chasing one kid that might just be playing in, um, in Ohio or something like that. 
Um, let, let's get into talking about these newest uh, young ladies that have made the decision to come play for you and come play at FAMU. Uh, we've got uh, a, a two young ladies. You know, I, I guess we're so used to calling it Power Fives, but I, I'll just say we've got a, an SEC transfer, a Big Ten transfer, a MAC transfer. And I, I'll start with Skylar Bouts. If I, I may mess names up, Coach, so help me out here. Um, Skylar. What's that? We just call. We don't even try to say Skyler. her last name. <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> Sorry, Skyler. I look. I I tried. I I don't want to butcher it, but Skyler, uh, Skyler B. Uh, she she's uh she's an Orange Park, Florida native. Went to Charleston Southern. Uh, six two. I saw somebody. Uh, my good friend. Uh, uh Dexter is like wanted to see somebody six three. Well, look, Skyler's six two. I mean, six two and six three. I mean, come on. That, I mean, that's about. That's a, that's a hair change. That's the difference. So anyway, uh, tell us a little bit about Skylar and what uh, what you liked or impressed you about her, what she liked about you and FAMU. Yeah, so coming from Charleston Southern, she, uh, FAMU was big to her. So being around more people was <laughs> intriguing. She's just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to maneuver so big, but she settled in this great. Her teammates have really taken her under the wing and she she was able to come in. Um, I love that she's a physical post player, um, that she'll be able to go in there and really post up. We didn't have a strong post presence um, last season, so she'll be able to fill that gap. Um, she was really intrigued by being closer to home. You know, she's from, from Jacksonville. And also just being appreciated. Um, I feel like in her last school, I think there was a coaching change, and sometimes she just don't fit the new coaches um, philosophy or style of play. So um, that's one of the reasons why she decided to even enter the portal. And um, being a, a post player and a post coach, um, she wants to get better. So I told her like, that's all of my coaches. So we do a really good job of uh, developing so far. We've had some great individual workouts, um, getting our players better individually. And that was something that was intriguing to Skylar as well. And I noticed she's the, along with uh, Alana, uh, now, you know, she's also up there 6'2", and uh, I think uh, those might be our, our, our two tallest um, our post players. Um, when, you, when, you, when you see their, and, and they're young, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, Skyler's just a sophomore, well, Alana's a grad student, but I'm looking, I'm looking at the roster here. So um, the, sky, the, the sky's the ceiling there for uh, – for Skyler there, so to speak, uh, to, to kind of ruin that analogy there. Um, <laughs> any, uh, uh, let's, let's kind of go over to Ariana Grizzle. If I said that name right, I hope so. Um, she's now the second Alabama transfer that you've been able to pull. You, you must, you must be able to, there's something that you've, identified in the water that's uh any ties there from her her former teammate that might have attracted her to FAMU tell us a little bit about Ariana and how she found her way to FAMU from Alabama so um Ari she's a true point guard I love her demeanor she doesn't get too high she doesn't get too low she's not real raw raw she just wants to get the job done um uh she was playing we were playing queen of the court so the one-on-one game and she was just scoring she must have scored seven times in a row. Demeanor never changed. 
never like, let's go, let's get it. Just like, come on, give me the ball. We're going to do this again. So <laughs> I love her steadiness and that's going to be really good at the point guard position. Um, she can also play some two because she can score as well. Um, and then she's got that experience. She's older. She's played at a high level. Um, she's not afraid to lead um, by example, especially she another really hard worker and um, great energy. I noticed she has uh, now she's from Canada, uh, one of two uh, Canadians that'll be uh, coming on. She's from Toronto. I noticed looking at her background, she has a lot of maybe she didn't have a lot of credits, so to speak, uh, stats at Alabama, but she had a background coming out of uh, uh, international play. How, how does that factor in when you're are you, are, are you able to identify and you're seeing that? And how does that help you? sort of parse out uh, a young lady's playing time or lack thereof at maybe one school and then you see something from uh, from her on the international level? Well, I was familiar with her um, when she was in high school because um, okay. I'm one of my previous schools. We did a lot of uh, recruiting in Canada. So um, I knew the AAU program that she was a part of and that coach and um, his standards and everything like that. Um, I also... Um, from coaching in the SEC, knew the coach from Alabama, and she didn't have anything but great things to say about her. Um, just that it just didn't, she just wasn't fitting in. She she's a hard worker. Everything that she went from a player does not complain. But as you know, recruiting is forever. You're always recruiting to get a player better, a player better. So um, just sometimes the numbers work out that way. So she she vouched for her as well and i felt comfortable bringing her on from what little film we saw um i was confident that she'll be able to come and fit in okay so um, really what let me ask this what's what's the style of play that you envision for fam you um what's your ideal team are we gonna be you know we the lakers we're gonna be the heat what what's the culture what are we looking at we're gonna be family, gotta be person. nba teams yeah, we're going to be family. Yeah, yeah we could we could be uh, a WNBA team, but it's okay. I understand where you're Come coming on, from. Coach. Um, but I'm glad that you said, what do I envision? Because what I envision, like now I feel like I'm getting players in place for what I envision. Last year, we had to adjust. We had to play to what we had available to us each game. <laughs> so sometimes we have five guards, we have to play five out. Um, or what have you, whatever the case would be. But the vision is for our defense to turn into our offense, for us to be an up-tempo team, to just be just the pest the heck out of people, um, to physically create turnovers, and then get easy buckets. Now, um, the players that I have are smart enough. We're not just doing that just so we can not have to set up a half-court play. We could set up a half-court play as well. If they would stop the break, fine, pull it out, go into our secondary, and now with the post presence, we have the opportunities to do um, pick and roll, get inside, um, things like those like we work a lot on uh, getting the ball inside out, you know, our guards being able to relocate and come off the ball screen, all those type of things. But really, we just want to be a great defensive team. And um, my dad was my coach and one of my uh, biggest inspirations, his saying was always, you can't you can't lose if they don't score. He said, you might tie 0-0, but you can't lose if they can't put the ball in the bucket. So that's what we've really been focusing on. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, let's go yeah. over to another Canadian transfer from Purdue University, 
now I know I'm gonna mess this name up. Is it uh, Midi or? We call him Midi. Midi. Okay. See, I'm. Yeah. I see. I'm. I'm working. I'm working. No. Trying to. We, we're educating everybody. We're educating the whole fan base here to, today. Uh, so that way everybody can make sure we get the names correct. Uh, Midi Oriomi. Uh, is a is a senior transfer from uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Went to Purdue. Tell us a little bit about her. Um, just another phenomenal kid. Um, she was one that's really big on making an impact wherever she goes, not only on the court but off the court as well. Um, graduating from Purdue this summer, she'll be here in the fall. Um, just another situation. New coach, you know, doesn't really exactly fit the style of play. But it's going to be great here. And it was really important to her. She wanted to go to a HBCU. Um, her family, her parents are originally from Nigeria. So um, it was hard a little bit. Her, her, Because her parents don't understand like HBCU and the importance it was to midday to come to HBCU. Because they just think education, like go to the best, it doesn't matter. Why does it matter? <laughs> but um, midday being born here and just seeing and experiencing so much, having the experience to live in Indiana, there wasn't very much diversity there. So um, it was important to her to come to HBCU. So she chose FAMU over some of the others. And we're so happy to have her um, just because this, as I said before, I just want to be surrounded by really good people. And she's one of those good people that are, are going to make a huge difference. Yeah, I know a little bit about that lack of diversity in Indiana. Um, and and the other uh, young lady that's on the roster is from Spain. Uh, now mm -hmm. the guys were giving me giving me heck because they thought I butchered the uh, the name where she's from. But all I'll say you is did. she's a transfer from. I, I I did not. I had my Spanish right. Uh, event. It, I'm not even gonna try it now. Nope, I'm not gonna have me embarrass me with coach on the on the on the air. Uh, Yvette is from Ball State. Uh, so coach, tell us a little bit about uh, Yvette. Uh, and if you want to give the last name a shot, please. No, we're just gonna stick with the first names, and we're gonna have nicknames <laughs> and what everybody because we have some challenging names on the roster for sure. But uh, Yvette. She was really drawn to FAMU because of her academics. Um, we have the academics that she, she, we have the major that she wants. And um, what I've learned uh, as we get more into international recruiting, um, some of the international students, it's, it's their livelihood. You know what I'm saying? It's a little different. They're playing for a little bit more than just, you know, getting an education and playing for the love of the game. Like this is life or death for some of them. So she came, she came to us, actually. She made our job really easy and said, listen, um, you have my major. I think I can make a difference on your team. Um, I'm, I'm gonna play really hard for you, um, but it's very important that I get this, get my education. And that's gonna help me when I go back to my country to provide for my family and things of those lines. I know basketball is my way to do that. And I'm gonna give you everything I got coach. If you just give me a chance to come. And I was like, well, let me do some research and send me some film and things along those lines. And she is amazing. She moves great without the ball. Um, that's something that people miss out sometimes that players kind of stand around from time to time. But when I tell you, she finds a way to get to the open spot, get easy shots because she's always moving and just a really good addition. And again, good people, a hard worker, and is going to run through a wall for us. So excited to have her as well.
Yeah, I, I was I was checking her uh, a little bit of her the info on her from the two years that she spent at Ball State. Uh, the fact that as a freshman and a sophomore, she played a lot. May not have started, but she was one of those contributors that gave about I don't know anywhere from thirteen to fifteen minutes a night on average. Uh, over and played practically every game, almost every game each season. So that tells me she was in the top eight, nine of the rotation, even as a freshman. So, uh, yeah, I was I was uh, really excited to see her. And, and it's good to hear that we have her major. Um, Kelvin, I, I, I'll give you a chance to hit the last question for coach. Any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up with coach for tonight? Yeah, I got two things for you, Coach. I want you to talk about uh, your roster management. We talked about who all there. Uh, and um, I know you lost a couple of kids. I want to, I think, rather Nation want to know, do we have all, do we have any more scholarships for this year or are we done recruiting for this year? And then the other question I had is that you lost some coaches um, multiple times and so forth. So, and, so I want you to talk about the staff you have now and um and do you have everybody in place going into the fall um so first question was about the roster management um so roster right now we have a couple scholarships available we're still recruiting um but we're in a good we're good we're in a good space um i don't really like to have a full roster just in case we have someone transfer um mid-year so at the semester, um, I would hate to have a, a kid want to come and we don't have a spot for her. So I'd like to at least keep one open if possible. Now, if we get two studs that we can get to come to FAMU, well, shoot, we're just going to take those two studs and we'll have a full roster. But um, we'll, we'll manage it that way. Um, as I said earlier, next year, the 23 class is going to be an important class because we'll have six scholarships available. And again, I think that's really going to be huge in establishing our culture culture by having a good balance of portal kids and um, high school kids that will possibly be here for four years. Um, the portal really is a wild card because people can go in and out. This is easy as kids from other school goes in. We can have kids go in the portal as well. So it's not as easy as used to be that we can project like, okay, this season we're going, this upcoming class, we're going to need A, B, C, and D it's almost impossible. I remember before the portal, like we could go two or three classes out with a pretty good idea of what exactly we're going to need and how we're going to go about it. But um, you have to be more fluent and able to to pivot and swerve and, and just do what you have to do to get the right people in place. Um, as far as my coaching staff, um, I currently have, um, I don't have any open spots on my staff. Uh, another part of being consistent um, not only did we have inconsistency as far as our players, as you said, I had several coaches um, in my first two years. I only played one season. So um, most of the time, those coaches went on to get uh, better opportunities, and I can't, can't be mad at them for that at all. So uh, just like I want to develop my players, I want to develop my coaches because a lot of times we get younger coaches um, at our level with what we're able to offer them salary-wise. So it's my job to develop them as well. I don't want them to leave here and say, dang, what were they teaching you at Florida A&M? Or what was Coach Pillow doing there? You don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. So um, it's not always bad. Uh, it's not convenient, <laughs> but it's not a bad thing that 
I've had some coaches be able to move on and get better jobs um, early in their career. So, Coach, well real quick well about real quick because I know you, I'm not supposed to look about the camps. Are we gonna have when are we gonna have some camps on the highs of Seven Hills? How well, we'll we see. Having um, there's a lot of things that go into having camp. So, having the personnel to run the camp, having the money to uh, support a camp, and having the facility to do so, and um, we're just not at that point right now. And it's, it's my understanding that they haven't had camps in several years. So I'm not the first coach not to have a camp. And um, we are working towards that um, as we can build funds and raise more money and do things along those lines and have the personnel because a lot of people don't work for free. <laughs> so that's just another another cost. Um, and I don't You're think we're in a position. Um, we would probably lose money having a camp at this point. And it goes back to building relationships and everything that you mentioned earlier um, to be able to have the numbers needed to have a successful camp and hire the right people to make sure we're um, able to give the the athletes that come a good experience. Because well well alumni said. just want to know how they can help as well. So um, a couple of them asked that question how they can assist mm -hmm. you in accomplishing your vision uh, on the highest of seven hills and they want to help. So how can they bridge that gap? Most definitely. That is great. Any help? We've had a lot of people uh, reach out. Um, we're actually starting a campaign here soon that we're going to be launching um, probably mid to late August, maybe early September um, with our foundation to really get monies in. Um, we have been blessed to be able to bring our girls back for summer school. That is something that we haven't been able to do in the past. So I have my kids that were eligible to come back so they can work out and things like that. That's huge. Um, I, I think I heard um, the previous guests, we talked about nutrition and things like that. Um, Cole, our strength and conditioning coach, um, is a one-man show and he, he, he works our kids out. They look great. And he does a lot in order to get them what they, uh, what they need. Uh, but that's never enough. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, we got people that are burning a lot of calories and things like that. So, um, and then the last thing that I think that the whole athletic department is like cardio equipment, like treadmills, uh, bikes, um, things like that. When we want our kids and our athletes to get extra cardio, um, we don't always want them running up and down the field or running on the court or things like that. So, um, treadmills, bikes, ellipticals, things like that. Um, if anybody out there has a connect or has a used one, anything, <laughs> um, especially um, when we have injuries and we want our athletes to still try to keep their cardio up as much as possible. If they had something they could hop on that wouldn't um, injure them further or something like that, that would be very helpful. And there's just, um, there's just so many things. And I, I love, I love our alumni, I love our support. They do everything that they, they can to help us and it's very much appreciative and um that's part of the campaign is just to be um to be able to communicate a little better our needs and how people can help us because i know people are out there and supporting well said and coach i know we we say this up to to all of the coaches who come on and, and we really mean this if you ever have something that you want help promoting, uh, whether it's us making sure it's known on our show or social media, please share it. 
I mean, you know, we I, I don't say that just to say it. Uh, you know, we we love all of our athletics. We love all of our programs. We appreciate all of our coaches. We know the challenges that you're working against and with. And so we want to we want to help. So however we can do that, let us know. So whenever you have something, let us know. Let me let Kelvin let Co- let us know and, and we'll we'll share it. And, you know, I, I, I don't say that just to say it but we really want to help so please take us up on it uh anytime you you want to promote come on you have an open door always you know and uh pillow talk, you know, we, we, pillow talk <laughs> exactly we'll we'll pillow pillow talk. talk we'll, we'll come it. back we'll come back in the fall uh as we do a season preview with coach pillow and uh you know we'll, we'll keep fighting off the fan base coach you know you we, we're gonna hey, let I you do your job that. look I'm going to the fight everybody base, in these the Twitter streets. I'm going to fight everybody in these Twitter cold. streets. You know, I don't care what you got to say or who you are. I'm going to fight you. Uh, you keep talking about Coach Pillow. I'm going I'm to get on him. So you just do your job, Coach. I got your back. Don't worry about it. Coach Pillow, there's been a request for you to post your wish list on your social media, whatever that is. Um, okay. So that Christmas can come in July and August and September and October so that people okay. can sew into your program. So whatever that right. is, just put it out there. I believe that, uh, you know, open that door and uh, there are all kind of resources that are available. Uh, Rattler Nation is passionate and we want to play a part in your success. So whatever that that is, you know, let us know so that, you know, Rattler Nation can participate. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rattler Nation, for all the love. And I love, I love when they're getting on me. That means I'm part of the family. I'm in there. If they weren't talking about me, they just let me slide. <laughs> you know. Oh, you in you, that you, coach pillar? You, you is know. In that. <laughs> oh, you, know, coach, you exactly. is in that coach pillar. You is in there. Let me tell you, you in there. <laughs> we're gonna fight we're gonna fight y'all stay off my coach that's my coach leave her alone uh, coach shalom pillow uh famu women's basketball coach coach thank you uh once you and we'll make sure to retweet it once we, once you send that out we'll make sure to retweet it um yeah so uh be well coach and we'll talk again uh later on uh down thank the road you, coach. all right appreciate you guys talk to you All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be back. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe will converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fennoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fennoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you. 
at the Urban NerdCon Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. Whether it's advice on managing your anxiety or tools to help you stay grounded, Coping 19 provides a range of resources and self-care tips to help you cope with this pandemic. We can help. Find the resources that work best for you at coping-19.org. Itchy, squirmy, scratchy, family not getting clean, Get Charmin Ultra Strong. Go get them. It just cleans better. With a diamond weave texture, your family can use less while still getting clean. Goodbye, itchy squirm. Hello, clean bottom. <laughs> <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant quality sheen to gravies and sauces. <laughs> It's like a loop machine. Going around town, trying to get down. That is just another sign that he's been with you the whole time. All right. Uh, Greg, let, I, I, I look, hey, I want to, I want to, uh, kind of, uh, close us out here with, uh, it is homecoming week. Um, you know, and it's funny. I heard coach Simmons say on his uh, weekly show that, uh, reminding, uh, he had to remind his players that, Hey guys, you know, homecoming is for the alumni. It's not for you. Uh, you know, you, you have a job. So with that said, 
what homecoming memories do you have? Maybe a, a game or a memorable experience uh, that you can close us out with from your years uh, <laughs> on those homecoming games. Well, I can remember it, it wasn't about a performance. It, it wasn't about a score. Uh, but in college, I had a dog, uh, a dog by the name of Roger. And Roger went to class. Uh, Roger was a social studies major. And on game days and track meets, I would leave Roger in, in the dorm. But somebody saw Roger uh, in the dorm uh, one homecoming game and said, Roger, you shouldn't be in the dorm. You should be out celebrating with you know, with everybody else. So they let Roger out of the dorm and he knew where the stadium was. He knew where the track was and I'm out on the field getting ready to kick. And here come, here comes Roger running out on the field. We have to call a timeout and coach Hubbard blew his, he said, Dingley. Um, well, I had another nickname. In, in, in college. <laughs> well, <laughs> my Nick, my nickname at fam was Dingling. And, and I'll tell you how I got that name very kick, uh, very quickly. Uh, Henry Lawrence in the shower singing a Chuck Berry song, uh, My Dingling. And it was at the top of the charts during that time. And he said, Dingling, you go sing that on the freshman talent show. Big Jim Williams was the uh, coach uh, during my freshman year. And I sang My Dingling at the freshman uh, talent show. And I mean, I killed it ever since then. That's how I got the name Dingling. Not, not to be confused with what all of the other stories and fairy tales that have been flying around FAMU for many, many years. So now you got it from the horse's mouth. That's how I got that nickname. Song, I also though. wore a long stocking cap, okay? Kofi, classic memory. You even got him to sing a bit of the song, too. Uh, that was uh, Greg Coleman, Black College Football Hall of Famer, FAMU Hall of Famer, joined us on our homecoming edition show. Uh, one of our favorite moments from the past year. I think we also uh, have another one of our moments with, uh, with the great uh, James Blake from Mississippi Valley State uh, yes, joined us. And uh, I, I tell you, man, we – Next year, I'm telling you now, 2023, when we take the ONG to Mississippi Valley State, that is going to be an off-the-chain trip. So I'm just letting everybody know now, be ready for 2023. The ONG will be going to Itabina, Mississippi, uh, all, all thanks to, uh, to, uh, to Mr. Blake and uh, this interview. I don't know if, if our producer has that queued up ready or not for us i know uh i i did i told her about the other one but that one and find little like the way they did rose washington head volleyball coach of jackson state they told her point blank they got behind we had to call security on them to get them away behind her because they told her she looked like weezy jefferson oh. <laughs> and, and rose did <laughs> she put you in the mind of isabel sanford oh, and i mean they so we had to stop him from doing all of that. And then we had to come in and So you 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 ain't gonna have anything to fear now, other than a hey, a good HBCU campus full of a bunch of youngsters that does not mind uh sharing a laugh or saying crazy things. You would have to hurry up and report them now 
but they've kind of gotten away from that because security is kind of campus police is kind of on them for uh little antics that they used to pull they don't do it as bad as they used to cool so you got a delta devil shirt on there huh i said you got a delta devil shirt on i just took it off oh I just took it off. I thought y'all was gonna have a house full of women. I got some new teeth in my mouth, and I, just, I knew you guys. I thought you was gonna have a lady DJ in there, and I just took my top off. So uh, I feel kind of embarrassed right now. This is like, bruh, bruh. That's my dog. If anybody got something that's, to say, you tell them. That's my dog. <laughs> Hey, is that a Mississippi shirt you got on there? That whole I went back and watched that whole interview. That you know, because that's one of the things that we enjoy doing. We try to talk to somebody oh. from the opposing school that we were going to play, and we were doing that whole thing, uh, which I, I really enjoyed doing that, and hopefully people did too. But yo. Mr. Blake, though, he was great. I, that whole thing, you know, I think we maybe targeted just a 15-minute segment. There was one point in there where we say, hey, Mr. Blake, in a minute, can you tell us whatever? And he went on for about a whole 10 minutes. I, I counted it because it was like, hey, can you tell us in a minute? And it was like a 10. He just got stories. I mean, that's, when you talk about swag history and just good times, I mean, Oh, Mr. Mr. Blake was on it. Um, that was some good stuff, man. So, yeah, those were, yeah, my man said I got some new teeth. I thought y'all were, boy, look. Anyway, so that that's uh two of the two of the two of the more memorable uh appearances on the show. You know, I was looking back, pop quiz. Can you guys think about who was our first guest that came on the show? Can you think back to who our first guest was, and uh, extra points if you can think, if you can recall maybe what episode, what number. Any ideas? First guest. Was a coach. Was not a coach. You got me, bro. I don't forgot. Me, any don't... thoughts, Kelvin? Guesses? Yeah. No, you know, it's no funny, our, our, first, on point. Our, <laughs> our first guest is actually one of our regular contributors, Mr. Marcus Green, episode number three. He ain't no um, darn guest. Well, I, look, no I, I, I said, I, well, oh, well now guess. he's not. Well, exactly. Okay. So outside of no Marcus guess, then, though. okay, outside of Marcus then, who would have been the next guest? It came on the next episode after Marcus. FAMU Sports Hall of Famer. Alvin. Alvin. Alvin, yes. Alvin Hollins came on the following week uh, as a guest on episode four when uh, Alvin came on. And so, yeah. And then uh, the following week, we had uh, Coach uh, Gokhan came on for the first time. Uh, I think we had I'm, – I'm trying to do a, a, a history to kind of see who's been on how many times – I think it's between Coach Gokhan and might be Coach Shoop for the number of appearances 
both are floating around three or four. Simmons, Coach Simmons might be at about three or four, actually. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. 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 So that that might he might be on top. So we'll, I'll try to go through the rotation. I'll finish it up. So by next week's episode, as we begin season two, um yeah, uh we'll we'll talk about uh and, and hey, we'll even kind of freshen up the graphics a little bit going into year two as as a lot of new things have happened at uh, FAMU. Uh, what episode got the most views? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I see Scott. It was not the one featuring uh, Scotty, just uh, by the way. Um, close. It was, it was close. It was the one after that one when the president after uh, Gaucher got fired. It, yeah, that 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 was the that, one that. that was uh, yeah, it, because actually, our show came on the night after his. Remember, he stepped down. Uh, his resignation right. came out earlier that day, and so here we go with a live show to talk about it. And yeah, yeah. So that was that was the show, and I, yeah, that was the episode right uh, one week off of uh, uh, Scotty's. Uh, uh, appearance on appearance. the uh, ONG one one week. Scotty off, did bring it. us some more people that came on, and they they still here. So, hey, yeah, I mean, you know, we we appreciate everyone who has found the ONG uh, in in every possible way. So we we appreciate it. Uh, let's next week Swack Media Day is coming up. Let's talk a little bit quickly about who is going to be in attendance um, in terms of players-wise. Obviously, for FAMU, we know Isaiah and Xavier Smith are going to be with uh, Coach. And I don't know if you guys saw the list, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I think some coaches and some teams are sort of tipping who their starting quarterbacks are going to be. I got to imagine, if you're bringing a quarterback to SWAC Media Day, it would seem to me that that young man might be starting when you say, um, you know, for example, uh, let's see, uh, preview, uh, Trazon Connolly, along with, uh, he's a quarterback will be coming along with Travion green. Who's a linebackers. Uh, Trazon Connolly is the quarterback. Uh, obviously, uh, Andrew body will be there representing Texas Southern, Skyler Perry representing UAPB. I actually thought he had graduated. So that was kind of interesting seeing that uh, Skyler Perry will still be there. And then Alabama State will have uh, Demetrius Davis, uh, the young man who transferred from um, uh, what? He, he's the young man from uh, Texas, Dallas, if I'm not mistaken. It might be Houston. Don't get me. But I know he's a – He's uh one one of the guys that uh my 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 guys my people in Texas they just rave about him and they just swear that that he is gonna be uh he he's gonna be that that guy in the uh, in the swag and I you know I saw I seen some videos uh, uh so I yeah I, I I would take his word um on that um any other you guys saw the list of names any other names that stood out from SWAC Media Day uh, in terms of some of the uh, names. Um, any thoughts, comments there? What, what's your – how do you think the order of finish will go next week? And, I, and I'm, I'm bringing that up right now because, obviously, next week uh, I, I will be in Birmingham. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys – I don't know, you know, Kelvin, Kofi, if you made your 
I don't know if you guys will be there or not. I guess we haven't talked about that. Um, okay, so it'll, be, it'll just be me. So I'm just curious. Uh, how do you think that order of prediction is going to go? Order of finish, rather, for a SWAT. Jackson State fam, you won too. And then, you know, third on, on the west side, uh, I would imagine um, Southern Gremlin. Alcorn. Are you going to go Southern Gremlin? You know, I like what Southern has done. I, I will say that. Um, I like Southern. Southern could be the sleeper. Um, but, but you know, with Ted Southern, because they got Andrew Body coming back. I, I got to give them a nod personally, but I don't. But I do think that uh, it'll be Alcon Southern Gremlin on the other side. But ultimately, everybody's going to be predicting FAMU in the, the Jackson State to win the uh, SWAC title. I think I, the winner. Of the, I, I'm going to. You know the, the 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 voters. You know I, I've long said that there's like a cabal of whoever the SWAC voters are for this for these preseason polls. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, uh, who will who will uh, uh, who who will get these players of the years, and who will actually be on the um, uh, the all conference teams? But I've got a feeling there's going to be at least four teams that get a first place vote on each side. So I, I'm there will be at least four that get a first place vote in the East, and there will be at least four in the West. Now I don't know if that means there's parity or whether you know, some people have awfully high expectations of their program. And, and I'm assuming you, you can't vote for your own. So if this is between the 80s and uh, coaches, uh, I, I, you know, I'm just going to kind of go that route. But that, that's the bold prediction I'm making. I think you're going to see a first place vote among four teams in the East and a first place vote among four teams in the West. Now, again, remember, that's six aside. So, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, you know, just calling it out like that. Uh, any idea who you guys think will be the uh, preseason offensive and defensive players uh, are? The swag is pretty Shadur big in, in the past. Yeah, should do an Isaiah, the returning stars uh, uh, for the conference. Okay. Um, any other thoughts about SWAC Media Day? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, ask some, right. ask some, ask some good questions, man. Don't, don't be lazy and stuff. And yeah, and, I mean, make, and make a, make a chili. Do like we do on the, on the, on the strike zone, man. You know, you know, make them, make them, make them sweat. Were you not impressed with what I did last year? I was there last year, and I'm, I'm, I'm I guess I'll be there again this year. Uh, but look, I mean, so. You know, so, so Kelvin, man, you know your your homecoming outfits have made their rounds. There we go. You know, you know, I, that's what I do. I be, this homecoming, I'm already ready. Look, so you already have people wanted some insight into how you do what you do with your homecoming. So, you know, we talk about the football team with all the combinations and stuff that they have with their uniforms and stuff. But tell the people. How many combinations you have with your orange and green outfits and hats? Man, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. What I would tell you is that I have, uh, I'm a hat guy and a tie guy for them. So and shoes, a dress shoes. So, so I would tell you I have a lot. I have over 
70 ball caps, probably 20 fedoras, uh, pan, you know, uh, news, newsboy paper uh, hats. Uh, you, you name it. I got, you know, about 15 at least uh, family straw hats, you know. So the bottom line is I shop year round all the time for, for family stuff, <laughs> specifically orange and green. And so the key for me doing homecoming anybody who's known who watched me over the last three or four years because I've, I've been doing it i don't wear the same thing ever during homecoming week that the is true what do, mean, what, do mean ever? what do you mean ever during the week of homecoming when i'm switching up the suits and the hats and all that it's not the same apparel at all none of it shoes socks every, every day is totally different a whole new set of orange and green that's how I so do it. from year to year. <laughs> That's year why they year. call him the now, mayor. Now, I thought you knew that. I will not not now. I will repeat uh, pieces of ensemble every now and then from year to year. I might have the same uh, a, a jacket that I wore the previous year one time. I might, but it's it's rare. Hey, uh, would you be willing to would you be willing to give a day or put a put the combinations together in some sort of let let the fans pick the outfit the the a the, maybe one day maybe give them a wednesday and then say give them the the jacket the shirt the tie the pants and the shoes and let the fans vote on you know the a b c and d would you consider that for one day just yeah, one day the, yeah, yeah the wednesday before homecoming yeah but let's make that happen that Ooh. sounds like fun okay. Okay, we 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 gonna we gonna work on that. We gonna work on that. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I like that. Yeah, man. Um, hey, want to uh, just very quickly mention, and I thought I had it pulled up, but if I don't, I'm gonna cancel this. Oh, the uh, FAMU class of 2022 uh, was announced that they'll be inducted into the FAMU Sports Hall of Fame the weekend of the first home game against Albany State, September 9th. Um, new Hall of Fame board chairman Marvin Green Jr. announced that uh, this year they will do more of an ESPYs award style format beginning on Friday the 9th at around 7 p.m. Then a post-ceremony reception will take place in the Grand Ballroom. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, well, ticket information will be released shortly. They don't have it now. This year's enshrinement weekend will be dedicated to the memory of Coach Bobby E. Lang, a highly decorated coach and educator who also served tirelessly as a leading light on the Sports Hall of Fame board until his death this past January. Uh, this year's group includes 10 former student athletes, a coach, three financial contributors, and two supporters of athletics uh the men include power running back frank choo choo middleton who played from Ooh, 79 to 82 ironman baseball pitcher willie mitchell who played from 83 yeah. to 86 uh, a stellar men's track uh, record holding duel of sprinter javaro sims who ran from 79 to 82 and middle distance ace Alfonso Williams, who ran from 76 to 80. A highly decorated golf extraordinaire, Ulrich Francis, who played from 93 to 97. Uh, the female athletes, former star tennis player 
and president and present, excuse me, tennis director Rochelle Nikki Goldthree Houston, who played from '98 to '02. Uh, a trio of basketball players, including forward Angela McFall from '91 to '96, guards Akita Heatley from '96 to '99, and Antonia Bennett, who played from '09 to '12. She's the newer one. Oh yeah. Yeah. The uh, oh, yeah. financial contributors. Uh, recognized include Emmett and Hattie Alexander, along with Tallahassee attorney Daryl Parks. Uh, the duo to be honored as supporters of athletics are longtime Rattler Sports Network broadcaster Michael Thomas, along with Clarence Bird, an office and event staff administrator. This year's coaching honoree will be Pamela E. Riley, a championship-winning women's volleyball and tennis mentor who served as a coach from 89 to 96. Uh, so again, that's a little bit about the FAMU Sports Hall of Fame. All right, uh, as you can kind of hear in the background, um, as we get ready to head off, uh, wrapping up the anniversary show, um, I'll give you guys a, a final thought uh, uh, to, to share with, uh, with the people. Calvin, go ahead. I just want to thank everybody for watching the ONG Strike Zone and supporting it. And uh, we, we we don't take it for granted. Please continue to do so. Um, and um, invite others to, to join the show and so forth, man. This is a powerful platform and we can do things, big things in numbers. So we need you to continue to support us. And on, you know, email us, let us know, you know, tweet at us or whatever. Um, let us know what you want to see, what kind of content, you know, how we how the show can be better. Well, uh, we understand, you know, we don't have all the answers. We transparent, try to keep it 100. So, yeah, yeah. But thank you for um, growing with us and continue to grow with us. Blessings. Kofi, what do you got? Hubba, man. You know, I'm excited about this next season. As I stated, we've already reached our goal of getting to at least 100. So we need to go ahead and push it. I think, I think our highest number was like 150, 175. Um, but let's go ahead and let's push to 200. I think uh, before the season starts, I believe it's going to happen. So I'm excited about that, man. And uh, happy anniversary, fellas. I'm looking forward to what's next. Let's get it. Yes, indeed. Um, I appreciate you. Look, I just happened to look over in the chat room. Tamara T wanted me to remind everybody that uh, Ken Riley's name is up for uh, the Veterans Committee for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's a semifinalist. Uh, I think they have changed the policy Format. or formatting. Yeah, so there is a possibility. We'll keep our fingers crossed that this may finally be the year that the Rattler gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame where yeah, he belongs. Be yeah, representing yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals, but more importantly, um, the the latest member of the uh, college football, or uh, excuse me, the Pro Football Hall of Fame for uh, Ken Riley. And uh, so that'll do it. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat rooms on Facebook and on YouTube. Uh, again, shout out uh, Dr. Lori for being the moderator in there. Appreciate you. Thank you, uh, Janiah Davis. Big shout out for for your yes. help with the graphics. 
uh marcus yeah. green for being a contributor also being the right. first originally first guest but later became right. also one of the one of the members of the show uh so shout out to uh marcus our producer melody lucas we appreciate you uh that's my producer though, uh, you know that's my producer, that's my producer. Shout out to her SG Rose in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, where they are. And uh, even though she's not there, she's, she's here producing the show, uh, you know, and, and so we love her. She's part of the family, even though she's a, a blazer, you know, Valdosta State. She, she, we adopted her into the, like we've done to so many people through this shared experience of the ONG. You are all rattlers. And those, so now we, we send you out into the world and we tell you to be safe. We tell you to go contribute to the alumni organizations. Go join. Be a part of the process. Ask the questions why to the appropriate people who need to be asked why. And then, uh, more importantly, be safe, be smart. And then make sure you get out there and that you strike. Strike. And you strike again and strike harder than you've ever done in your life. Because that's what we require of you to be great. That's what FAMU requires of you. So with that, for my brothers, I say thank you. Happy anniversary. Good night. God bless. Happy anniversary. Season two begins next Wednesday. I will be live in Birmingham, ready for the SWAT Media Days. Kofi and Kelvin will be in the home studios. Cheers to everybody. Good night. Good night.